Mac Power Users, Episode 50, Workflows with David Wayne. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. How are you, David? Doing well, Katie. Wonderful. Good. Day. And I guess I got to... Yeah, I got to be careful because we have two Davids on board today. Um, our very special guest, uh, David Wayne. David, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm just so happy to be here. I'm most importantly a, a <laughs> longtime listener of the podcast. Um, not since the first show, but since close to the beginning. Um, and you want me to tell a little bit about who I am? Definitely. Yeah. What What do you do? Because um, you're 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 kind of a rock star too. <laughs> yes, it's true. I'm a major rock star. Uh, no, I'm a I'm a writer, director, and performer. Um, uh, and I've worked in comedy over the years. Uh, I've directed four feature films: um, Wet Hot American Summer, The Ten Role Models, and then the new one is called Wanderlust. And I also uh, had a TV series called The State on MTV, and another one called Stella. And a lot of other miscellaneous uh, things over the years, including a web series uh, that's ongoing called Weenie Days. And can I tell that's you, pretty Dave, much me? Yeah, can I tell you, David? When you wrote me and said, "Hey, you know, I could maybe help you out with a workflows episode," I immediately knew he you was were so excited. Yes, I, oh my I, god, that's great. Yeah, because I was such a big fan of the state. I thought that was like the best sketch comedy show I'd ever seen, and. Maybe it's my age. I'm not sure. Whatever. I know a lot of our listeners are younger than I am, but you guys just did the best show. It was uh, called The State. And if you're listening to this and you haven't, if you like sketch comedy, you haven't seen it, I highly recommend going and checking it out. I know you can still get the DVDs for it. It's uh, definitely. We have a just, really nice DVD set that ju- actually only came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, I mean, you, uh, yeah. You guys just killed it. I mean, it was great. Thank you. Well, we were very young. We were in our early 20s and didn't know any better, kind of, and it, it served us. And a bunch of friends from college, and we were just following our gut instincts, and it was a, it was a pretty fun time, I have to say. Yeah, it was awesome. And then it just kind of disappeared. You know, you guys went to the big network and kind of yeah. got screwed over by them, really. But the... um. But what's great is that group of 11 people that was that group, we still all work together all the time. And, you know, every movie I've done, everything I've done has involved different groupings of that same core group. Yeah, and, and now you're you're big time now. Like this Wanderlust movie, that's, I guess, Jennifer Aniston and um, several. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, It's Jennifer Aniston, Paul Rudd, uh, Malin Ackerman, Alan Alda. Uh, it's an amazing cast. Um, yeah. It, and that's really kind of what got us talking, you know, because, you know, we do a lot of workflows shows with writers and, and people who talk about tech stuff. But I was really uh, amazed by how much you use the Apple technology and the whole process. And that's oh, yeah. what we thought we'd do with this show is we'd say, OK, let's just talk through because I don't know how you make a movie and, uh, you know, what's involved. Because not only are you actually the director, you're the writer. And so you're coming up with the ideas. Mm-hmm. And and you're kind of a nerd, like you use all this stuff. So I do, I do, and I, I think it'd be great. We if, were, yeah, we were surprised that a big famous guy like you was listening to Mac Power Users. Oh God, I'm obsessed. I, I like you know, <laughs> I, I miss work commitments. I'm like, oh, I got to finish. I got to sit in my car and listen to the end of this episode and figure out you know what Text Expander is all about. <laughs> all right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's it's really fun uh, when we go to like Macworld or something and I'll be in an elevator talking to a friend and somebody turns around and, and knows me from the sound of my voice. It always just gives me... <laughs> you have to be I've, very careful what you say. 
I've actually uh, turned um, – I, al- I also produce a TV show called Children's Hospital, which is on Adult Swim um, uh, with Rob Corddry and uh, also Mullen Ackerman and Lake Bell and this amazing cast also. And we, I've turned a lot of those guys on to, to the podcast and a, a lot of the nerdy tricks that uh, you guys have, have taught all of us now. And we, we try to incorporate it into our, our workflow. Well, that's great. That and that's why we do it. We, we just love helping and sharing these, these tricks that we find and, and, and getting new information from other people like yourself. So yeah. let's do that. You know, let's so, should yeah. I so how did you get just, started with the Mac? Yeah, what's the history? How did I get there? started with the Mac? Oh, that's interesting. You know what it was? I, I was always a big typer. I, lo- I, was just, I loved typing uh, when I was a kid, and I'm 41 years old, uh, so... When I was about 14 is when the uh, the Mac first came out, and I loved my dad's uh, manual typewriter, and I and then I had one of those like weird electric typewriters that had a little um, one a one line readout. Sure. Where, and then you but you had to sort of if you typed something long, you just had to trust that you typed it right, and then it would all print out on the daisy wheel. Um, and when I went to summer camp, I guess was when I first. I was like the nerd who didn't want to play sports. And so I snuck into the camp office and I played with the Mac, the first Mac. <laughs> uh, and I got really excited about that. And then I guess I got my first computer of my own was a Mac Plus. So some probably later in 84. And uh, I've just been a loyalist ever since. You know, I just went from one to the next to the next. Uh, and definitely sometimes the annoying proselytizer and, you know, trying to get my Windows friends into the fold. Um, but luckily, most of the people in my area of the business t- tend to be all Mac. And did you stick with the Macs throughout the, the dark ages, I guess you would call it, when, when Apple I did, I did. I, had, uh, I think I, I, think I might have owned one of those weird uh, you know, clones at yeah. one point. When they licensed the OS, yeah. Yeah, and I certainly, you know, I had some of the weirder ones, but... Um, yeah, no, I stuck through, and I just kept, you know, following along and trying to stay up to date. And it's it's exciting to always see things getting better, and then sometimes they take a step back and then take a step forward. And um, you know, I haven't been like a huge follower of like all the politics of the executives there. I did read that one book a long time ago that John Scully wrote about his experience running Apple. Uh, when I was in college, but um, mostly I just, it's my tool and I, it's, I, I can't imagine doing what I do without these computers. Like I really, I don't think I have the, the patience or the mindset to keep organized all of the paperwork and other stuff in my head that would have to happen in order to make a movie without, without it. And then the editing, which we can talk to about when we get there, like that's just insane. Like, and I did that in college. I edited my first film with the actual film and a razor blade and a tape and glue, and it was just torturous and yeah. impossible. <laughs> and you know, I think you have bragging rights because you're probably the last generation to have that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm they, looking. They stopped teaching it in film school soon after I I graduated. And my my daughter, um, like dark room. Yeah, my daughter makes her own films and. She does it with, you know, iMovie. You know, yeah, just, of course. <laughs> I just, when I was a kid, if I had an iMovie and GarageBand, there's no way I ever oh, would have I, ended I, up I being don't, a I'm glad I I'm didn't because sure. I know what these things are a metaphor for. And I think most kids have no idea. Yeah. 
and also, uh, yeah, I, if I had high speed internet as a kid, I, th- I think it, I would have been in a padded cell by now. <laughs> I don't know. I have two kids now and I don't know what to do with them as they get more computer literate. <laughs> yeah. Have they laughed so at you at yet? what point? Yeah. Have they, have they laughed at me? Well, no, my oldest is no, laughed oh, you. not quite. My oldest is three, oh, okay. but, uh, he's definitely huh. like, where's the iPad? You know? <laughs> so, I'll give it a couple. So, years. what's your current rig? I mean, what are you using these um, days? I've got the MacBook Air, which uh, really, I, I never. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm saying what I think most people say about it, which is I didn't realize just how great it would be to have. I never, it never occurred to me that I needed a computer that was any lighter than my MacBook Pro, yeah, or mm-hmm. any smaller. And I can't believe what a difference it is, and how zippy it is, and how I walk around my edit room or the set or my office. And talk to people, and I just carry the thing in my one hand, and I don't think about it. It's like I'm carrying a magazine around. And it's such a great tool to move around and show people things, because I don't usually sit in one place in my job for too long. I'm always moving around. And so it's just an amazing tool. I love it. Did you have the 11 or the 13-inch? 13-inch. Yeah. Yeah. 13-inch. What else do you use? Um, Oh, go ahead. What what else do I use in terms of uh, hardware? Yeah. Yeah, in terms of Apple hardware, um, I'm sure, sure. Obviously, that's probably not your main editing machine. No, well, I have I, no. in my office where I'm editing now. We have like these big Mac Pros uh, running the Avid software. Um, I would prefer to cut on Final Cut, um, which I think is far superior in many ways. But uh, the for you know, I'm, I'm working for Universal, and they insisted we do it on Avid. Um, so I had to actually relearn the Avid which I had given up more than 10 years ago, um, which has been an interesting experience. But uh, so we had, that's what we use those. And then I have a, my old MacBook Pro, which I keep now uh, kind of in the corner hooked up to the Drobo. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out that system of, maybe you guys can help me out. I, I, I have a Drobo where I now keep all my, everything, all my archives and videos and everything that I, that I have I'm trying to figure out the best way to set up kind of some kind of server or something so I don't have to actually hook up physically to the Drobo whenever I need it. Ooh, I just got a Drobo FS. I really like that. I don't know what that is. Oh, it just shares it out to the network. It's got a, an Ooh. Ethernet port, Ooh. and it just plugs into the network, and you can access it from any of your machines. Well, I'm going to look into that. So the answer is yeah. you need to buy more hardware. <laughs> yeah. Open up my checkbook. So that's always the answer. Throwing money at the problem always is the answer. <laughs> and then, and then you prove you have an iPad and iPhone. iDevices, and all that yeah. Stuff. I have uh, yes, the iPhone, the, the iPad. I have found I love, but I, I it's become my like my, very much my like home personal device. I don't really use it for any work related stuff. I I just am so keyboard oriented. I I love to use the keyboard, and so um, the iPad is for you know playing around with my son and my wife and watching movies and you know checking. Email in the bathroom, stuff like that. Yeah, and then uh, and then you have the the second one, or the, are you still on the first one? Still on the first one. I I was thinking of getting the uh, the second one and giving the first one to my mother in law for Mother's Day or something. But then I I figured I'll just get her the second one. I actually don't, you know, I'm I'm okay with the first one for the moment. Yeah, and I think they're still pretty hard to get. Actually, um, they are. Well, that's the thing. I couldn't do it for Mother's Day. We I actually went around to two Apple stores in L.A. and uh, no luck. Yeah. Gosh, All right, and well, online, you know, anyway, well, fascinating, lucky right? mother-in-law. <laughs> She's really lucky. Special lady. Um, yeah. 
So should we just? I could just tell you about like from from where we start, you know, the beginning of the process and how how the movie gets made with the that's, the software. I think so. that's the best way to do it. So let's let's walk it. through it. Well, my my Ken Marino is my friend. Ken Marino is my uh, writing partner, and he and I came up with this idea for this movie called Wanderlust. And we live on separate coasts, so most of the writing we do is over Skype, um, and we screen share. And since I'm the faster typist, I have the the document up on my screen, and we, I type, and we are both looking at it, and we talk back and forth and look at each other. And that's the main way that we write um, because we both have kids and we both are 3,000 miles apart. Fascinating. And then, so you just have all these meetings with just Skype and your camera running the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I'll spend, you know, I'll, I have a little office uh, in New York City where I live. And I walk over there in the morning and I sit down and I open up Skype and I'm often on it for eight hours. And then I turn it off and I go home. <laughs> wow. Now, what are you typing into? Are you using Word or Scrivener or Pages or uh, some combination? Or? It's a combination. I, I definitely am off the Word train. Um, I, I'm don't, I actually don't even have Word anymore. Um, if I, I want to do basic word processing, I, right now I'm using Bean. Okay. Uh, okay. Just for a simple one. And, I, and you got, I learned all about notational velocity from your Merlin Mann show. So I've, and I've, I'm moving more and more and more to doing things, everything in, in notational velocity. Um, it's pretty nice because it, it's always backed up and on all your devices, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the screenwriting software that dominates filmmaking is called Final Draft. And that's where it automatically formats it as a screenplay. The, it's the it's the industry standard, but quite frankly, it's it's terrible software. It's very out of date. It's not it's not updated very often, and when it is updated, they don't they don't do a very good job. It's sluggish. It's non intuitive. It's behind the times, and it's a real drag. Um, and so, it's a necessary evil, as far as I can figure out in right now. And so, I write in in Final Draft and share the screen on Skype and Ken and I talk and then we look through it and then we have our, then we keep everything in a Dropbox folder that we both share so that at any point either of us can open and look at what we've been doing. Um, what I wish there was, was a, a, a screenwriting, a robust screenwriting platform as part of Google Docs or, or similar to Google mm-hmm. Docs because then we could actually both be working on the same document at the same time, which is so useful. Have you um, tried something like uh, just working in Google Docs so you can both be working at the same time and then just when you get it to a certain point, then just moving it into your screenwriting uh, software? I've thought about that. I have. Um, and sometimes we actually do that. We, we, we do so much of our work in Google Docs because not only do Ken and I uh, work together, but then as the movie gets moving, we have producers involved and we have crew and we have you know sometimes – a particular Google Doc might be shared by 30 people and they're all chiming in on notes and, and I mean I'll get to that when I get to the editing, but it's pretty it's it's pretty amazing and you can see in real time, you know, as things are changing, so you always know what's real. And I've been slowly and media with medium success trying to like uh, um, convert people who have a certain way of doing things from over the years in filmmaking to this, which is so much easier. And they're they're always wanting to print out you know, every day new memos and new schedules and new budgets and 
new notes and then pass them out on pages and then everyone has to put it in their three ring notebook and it's just wasteful and non-productive in my opinion <laughs> sure so you're moving them forward i'm trying you know I'm, I'm, trying. I'm clueless on all this so when you start writing a, a movie do you already have like a, a movie project in place or is it just kind of a speculative thing where you say hey this would be a great idea for a movie and you know there's no there's no one way in our particular case in this in this project we just decided to write something on our own and so we wrote with no nobody else involved Many times you'll pitch a movie to a studio and they'll give you the money to write the, write the script once, you've, once they bought the pitch. Sometimes you'll be hired to write an idea that somebody else has or rewrite a script. It just, it always, movies have dozens of different ways of getting started. Sure, but in this one you guys said, hey, we got this a good one, idea. We just said, we didn't even have the idea actually. We just decided we wanted to make a movie and we blocked ourselves in a room for a week and forced ourselves to come up with an idea, outline it, and come out with a first draft within a week. Wow. Um, no matter how. <laughs> how many words is a movie we, script generally? It's it's 120 pages generally uh is the the standard um in screenplay format. I don't know how many words that is. Um but it's about a minute a page. Isn't it like is a, the, a minute a page is what thumb. they say? Yeah. Yeah, cuz it's written out, so you know, there's a lot of white space on any page. Okay. Right. So when you're outlining, are you outlining in Google Docs as well, or do you use any kind of specific you know, outlining tool, like an generally, outliner or something like that? We generally outline in Google Docs um, because that's the one that you really want to be back and forth collaborative on. And I frankly, sure. I've looked at Omni Outliner, and I just haven't spent the time to learn it or, or key into it. I probably will at some point. But um, sure. it's so freeform, the kind of outlining we do, where, you know, but I'm sure I'm sure the outlining programs can account for that. But in in our case, we just type out lots of text, and then I make big headings and little headings, and then I, I just it's sort of a ongoing, very fluid process um, until we have something that feels usually our our. And then it depends if we want the outlines to be shown to a studio or a producer, or if they're really just for us to work off of as we continue to write. Um, and then sometimes I'll. More and more, I think Google Docs is is a good finishing program too. Like you can format it nicely and send it out. But or I'll take it into Bean, which I think formats as well as any high end word processor, um, and is faster and simpler. Yeah, I don't write much fiction except I'm a lawyer, so I guess maybe I write a little. But the <laughs> the um, uh, when you uh, when you do this stuff, do you like like outline characters or or plot lines, or do you just kind of yes. go? No, you do. You're doing everything. I mean, we generate so many. I think I must have thousands and thousands of documents in my folder. In fact, I'm going to look at my Wanderlust folder on my computer and see what we've got. Because you just never stop going back and forth like, oh, well, now let's go back and look at this character's arc and make sure that it makes sense and write out what it would be. And then let's re-outline this storyline. Let's see. I have... 3,655 documents in my involving this movie right now. And, um, and so each one could be like a separate story arc for a, a character. Well, they're not all related to the screenplay. Some of them are related to production and stuff. But yeah, they could be story arc, character arc, just different drafts of outlines or story points or scenes. And then quite what happened actually in our process is we were writing and writing and once we sold the movie and we started doing more rewrites for the studio, basically, so what happened is we wrote the script, we attached the two main actors, 
uh, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. Then we got a producer on board, and then we uh, took it to a studio and set up the deal. And then we started getting more notes from the studio and the producers, and you know, we're just working on it ourselves. And it started to become so confusing that I dove into to Scrivener. And that's when um, we set up the whole movie as a big Scrivener project, and each scene became a card, and then each act of the movie became its own uh, folder, I guess they call it in Scribner. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I was able to have the actual scene itself. And then off to the side, all the notes and all the related documentation and research. And it was a very, very helpful tool to, uh, you know, to, to, to keep things organized and in one place. So I wasn't having to search all over my computer for all the various information. The only problem with, I wish Scrivener was on the web, you know, right. Uh, so we keep I keep the Scriv files in a Dropbox so that other people can access them, but we can't open them at the same time. Is the problem? Yeah, that's true. Right, and that was going to kind of be my other question: is you know I'm sure there's a lot of collaboration going on, and then at some point you have to format this stuff and share it with you know the the uh, the producers or the right. the studio execs or or the actors themselves or who else, and exactly. they may or may not have Max, they may or not have Scrivener, they may not be using the tools that you're using. So how do you how do you get this into a format that you know is presentable to others? Are you just PDFing stuff? Yeah, or, everything's or always a PDF. Not? Once once we we never send a final draft to anybody. We always just send PDFs uh, to anyone who needs them. And and luckily, you know, the, the well. At least on my end of it, there's less printing. I've I've made a lot of you know directives to my staffs. Whenever the the more power I have, the more I try to say no paper. Don't give me memos. Don't print out the script. You know, look at it on your iPad. So, uh, yeah, we send. So do they all have iPads? Some people have iPads, but you know, it's huh. it's not well. I'm just envisioning you passing out iPads to everybody at your staff and saying yeah. no paper. Well, we were already majorly in prep when the iPad was introduced in April. Sure. So. You know, it wasn't fully, but I remember my friend was shooting a movie right at that time and they started watching the daily uh, footage, the dailies on their iPads on set and everyone was all excited about it. (laughs) I bet. Um, So basically we write the script and then uh, one of the other things we did is we have these notes sessions where we might uh, have a reading of the script or we might have a... Uh, a screening, or we might have a note session with the producers or the studio, and we have a tool called PearNote, uh, where we uh, you probably know about PearNote. Yeah, PearNote's a great app, mm-hmm. and and it's been that's been amazing. Where we just take the notes, and then whatever we missed or whatever we uh, don't get quite right, we just go to that piece of text, and we hear the recording of what it was. Um, and that's also been great for screenings where we want to keep track of what what parts got laughs. Oh, know? really? I I wouldn't think of that. So That's you just huge, open Paranote on a Mac in the in the audience, mm-hmm. and you just run it while the movie plays. Exactly. <laughs> and then we actually what we can do is we then take that audio and line it up in the edit room with the actual movie. So at any point we want to be like, hey, what kind of laugh did this joke get in the New York screening? And we just go to that scene, and then you can hear it. Wow. That's, That's really, really cool. smart. That's really smart. Um, all these little simple tools are are becoming like, you know – from I didn't I've never heard of them to completely indispensable in the course of a moment you know yeah Have, now, um, David did you ever try using the screenplay um, project template in Scrivener you know I honestly just took a look at it like this week oh okay. we never we never we sort yeah we sort of 
played around with it. We Scrivener two hadn't come out yet when we were writing. Okay. Um, and so we looked at it a little bit, but it was just enough of a confusion, and I didn't have time to really figure that out. But I think that yeah, well, maybe the uh, next I've, one we would really would write in Scrivener. Yeah, who knows? I just I was thinking I was just looking at the templates while we were talking. You know, I know because you said you didn't really care much for the screenplay software. Yeah. That's a great app. There's so many good applications on the Mac. I mean, everybody talks about why the Mac is so great because Apple makes them shiny and fast and pretty. But I really think the magic of the the Mac OS X platform are these independent software developers that just make these amazing applications. And it's the they, they, peop, the cool people make them for the Mac first, like the guy who does Scrivener. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't even care. I mean, they, they they are doing a version of Scrivener for the PC, but he's not even doing it. It's just somebody who's exactly you know, it's not the same. I, I don't know. I mean, I know very few people who use a PC. I mean, except you guys at your work, I know all about it. Yeah. Well, you're in the right industry. Um. <laughs> See, like I'm like you. I started on the Mac. I mean, as soon as I saw that rabbit and that turtle on the little selection bar. And I was used to right. looking at IBMs and all these other lousy computers. I was in. But for years, I had to use a PC just because of my business. Right, right, right. I, uh, Thank goodness we don't live in those years yes. anymore. <laughs> all right, well, let's take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor, Smile. You know, Smile, it not only makes great software for the Mac, but they also make software for your iPod, your iPhone, and your iPad in the form of Text Expander Touch. Now, Text Expander Touch is one of the only apps that I know of that releases a developer kit available to just about anybody. So any Mac app developer out there or iOS app developer out there who wants to include Text Expander support in their app can download a free developer kit from Smile. So developers, there is no excuse now not to have text expander support built into your app. And Smile Software has reported that they have support for over 90 apps now, and I'm sure they're going to hit 100 soon. And they're closing in. Yeah. So, you know, Apple says, hey, I'm not going to put any text expansion support on this uh, iOS. That's too fancy. And you know what they say? Heck with you guys. We're going to do it ourselves, right? So they, they do put, it themselves. Yeah, they the great group of software developers, um, you know, working together with them, and they they really put together a great community here. I use Text Expander all the time. Not only the Text Expander application that they've developed for all the apps that don't have Text Expander uh, functionality built in, so you can expand all your snippets, sync them up from your uh, computer expand them in the Text Expander Touch application, either send them off to mail or copy them to your clipboard or copy them to a text message, but it gets even better if text expander support app uh, is actually built into the apps. And you can go over to their website at smilesoftware.com slash text expander and view a complete list of all the text expander enhanced iOS applications. You'll probably find some that you're already using. Yeah, especially text editors. I mean, text editor without text expander, man, that's bad news. You've got to get different text editor. Text Expander Touch is available in the App Store for $4.99, and that is a hybrid app that will work both on the iPhone and iPod Touch as well as the iPad. So uh, thanks to Smile for their support of Mac Power users. So how long does it take to write the screenplay and, you know, get the initial actors on board? And, I mean, what's the time period that you're looking you at? You know, do that? there's definitely no no one way. In our in our this particular project, we wrote it – uh, we actually wrote it a couple of maybe three years ago, and then we 
put it away while we made this other movie, Role Models, and then did a bunch of other stuff for another year after that. And then we kind of took it out. And we had, we had taken another week here and there to do another pass on it. Sure. And do a reading. And then we, at a certain point, had the time and, and made a decision to really focus on it. And, you know, we would print out uh, scripts and do a reading with some friends. And I would watermark the scripts using a watermarking program, which I think is probably not, doesn't exist anymore. And then uh, once we got it into really good shape is when we sort of put it into the next level of, you know, submitting it to producers and, and you know, trying to get the actors attached. And uh, I, time frame from then things in this case went very fast. We, in a very quick period of time, we, we got it set up and kind of going at, at Universal, which is the studio. Um, and so then we got into pre-production, uh, which is, you know, it's about eight to ten weeks of like major huge pre-production, and maybe two months before that, where you're doing casting and uh, the early pre-production. Mm-hmm. And casting is another area where I don't know how we would have done it any other way. We, in fact, I uh, there's a there's a a service on the on the web called Castit that most casting directors use. Uh, to post the videos of the auditions so that everyone can see them, whether or not they were actually in the room. And I think it's it's a bad service. It's an old-fashioned, like, not very good web service. And so I said, you just put all the things in a Dropbox and be done with it, and then everyone can see them. And sure enough, they did it, and it worked beautifully. Now, now what's the uh, recording format that you use? Is it something you can watch on an iPad and everything, or is it... Yeah, well, they just, they record it on, in our case, I think they recorded it right to some QuickTime format, uh, or on onto a, a laptop, I think. And then they just dropped it into a Dropbox, and it was done. It, Sometimes, in other cases, I've had them, you know, they, they record it onto some format, and then they have to shrink it down... Convert it. And convert it so that so that we can all pick it up on the drop because we want we we want it to not be too the files not to be too big because everyone gets all the files on their laptop for the duration of the casting process but as long as they're not too big it's really not a big deal isn't it amazing how Dropbox is just like how many problems yeah oh. it solves yeah. sorry I'm just saying how many problems Dropbox has. it's amazing it's incredible <laughs> I mean, and we all just take it for granted now but even just like a couple years ago I would have you know wet myself if I someone told me I could do the things I can do with Dropbox. It's just, I'm glad that it didn't happen then. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> yeah. before you were FTPing and downloading and posting and updating and yeah. Um, now, now, now I, how many people in your circle are using Dropbox? I mean, do you need to introduce them to it or are they all already on I've, board? I've definitely introduced, I mean, you know, it's interesting. It's only in the, like we haven't, we're, we're doing some additional shooting right now and we have a different new crew and more of them are more familiar with Dropbox than they than the same kind of group was uh, six months ago when we when we shot the film in the fall. So I think every month people learn more about Dropbox. But I basically introduced everybody to it uh, in the early process, and we did it for casting, and we did it for the art department would put all their sketches and all their photos, and the locations department would drop all their photos in there so everyone could see it. You know, it used to be that the locations department would print out photos and then have to make copies for everyone who needs to see them and paste them into a manila folder and pass them around. You know, and then they got to a thing where they would have these, again, these like weird proprietary services where it was hard to look at the photos. Now it's just drop it in the Dropbox, everyone take a look. 
Well, it sounds like you, wow. you saved like a whole forest of trees through this process. Oh my god, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of there's a ton of waste still in in filmmaking, and in fact, I have a a much larger vision uh, for how it could be much better because there's so many different pieces of software in filmmaking that don't talk to each other that should, so that you don't have to keep repeating. For example, you write the script in final draft, then you're shooting the script and the script supervisor does anything from pencil and paper to their own uh, proprietary script supervising software that nobody else can use. Then there's the budgeting and scheduling, which are done by Movie Magic, which is its own separate software. Then the, you, you put it into the uh, editing phase and you have the Avid software. And then when you get into the sound design, it's Pro Tools. And Avid and Pro Tools are even owned by the same company and they don't speak to each other. Yeah. Um, and so all, I, in my opinion, all of these things, just like, just like you know, notational velocity or any, any text editor can access the same text files, these different pieces of software should be able to access the same media and affect it in their own different ways. And that's where we're, no, we're not there yet at all in filmmaking. Well, you know. You know, I guess hearing all this, I'm I'm a little surprised to hear you say, you know, kind of at the beginning of the show that that the iPad is has become, you know, kind of your home computing device. I, I mean, I can just see tons and tons and tons of uses for this, you know, in your workplace. Well, certainly my my production designer used it all the time to show his ideas for things and you know take it around. The only for me, I guess my, the MacBook Air is the iPad with a keyboard. Plus, okay. you know, yeah. It, 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 that's just how I see it. It's, it's pretty much the same size and weight as the iPad, basically. And, and I just, I, I rarely feel like I need the iPad for work. Yeah, a lot of people call it the iPad Pro, that 11-inch yeah. MacBook. Yeah. I guess that's how I, th- I think of it. The iPad, I like to sit in bed and read Instapaper. That's, that's my pleasure at, the, at night. So you've got your MacBook Pro like attached to your, or your MacBook Air attached to the waist at all time? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's maybe it's a little, uh, you know, sometimes that when it's after a very, very long work day and my eyes are blurry and I, lit- I realize I haven't taken my eyes off the screen all day, I, I, re- I realize like, okay, there's more to life. I have to like go outside and uh, go for a walk or something. But, I've been there. <laughs> well, part of, the, part of the issue with my current life is I, I, I'm writing or I'm, e- you know, I'm emailing and corresponding or I'm budgeting or I'm editing and I might do, you know, combination of ten different things in a day, but they all involve looking at the screen. Yeah, and so, or shooting also is watching the monitor while we're shooting. You know, so it's a, it's a lot of computer work, but at least it's pleasant. <laughs> yeah, and it beats working. I'm I'm experiencing the same thing because you know I'm working all day in front of a computer, and then I'm working on this book project at night. So I'm typing, typing, and I'm starting to get old enough. I'm having some RSI issues, so it's like it's changing the way. You know, now I take a yeah. break and walk around the block or whatever, just to kind of keep it in, in track. Well, I thank God that I actually have these two kids because if I didn't, if I wasn't forced to stop and like play with my children, then <laughs> I don't think I'd ever stop working. <laughs> Well, the uh, it's interesting, you know, the uh, stories about how George Lucas kind of turned over the visual effects way of making movies. You know, maybe David Wayne's going to turn over the way we we write and organize these movies. I would love yeah. to. I, I I talk about it all the time to anyone who will, will listen, and people are like, "David, shut up and let's get back to work." But <laughs> hey, get get yourself hooked up with a smart developer. You may you may be able to pull it off. All right, 
Get in touch. Somebody's listening, I'm sure. <laughs> another. So, okay. I was just going to mention another fun thing that I use uh, on set is a, an iPhone app called Artemis Viewfinder. Um, and it, you can program in your camera package that you're using. In our case, it was a 35 millimeter film camera and all the lenses that you have available. And you can pick the lens that you want and, and the, the aspect ratio. And then you can use the iPhone to set up the shot without having to carry around a hundreds of pounds camera and take a photo of it, show your director of photography, what you have in mind, uh, or email it to someone. It's a really great, uh, on set tool. Wow. <laughs> There's so many great little custom apps for iOS that way. Yeah. That's the one very like fully film, you know, specific one that I use. Um, I'm sure there are many others. All right. So, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because we're talking about. I'm so sorry. No, no, no worries. <laughs> I, I'm just, I just want to make sure I don't miss anything because I'm really, uh, you know, I'm always starstruck with the stuff and want to hear how these things are done. So, we kind of got through the writing process and then you're in pre production and you were talking about using right. Dropbox. And then you said there's like an intensive period of pre production. Well, right. So, about eight weeks out, you know, we went down to Georgia where we shot the movie and set up our office there. So, finally, Ken and I are in the same room, not on Skype. Um, and so whenever we work together, I, ha- I set up an external monitor with the laptop so that we can sit across from each other and both be looking at the same screen. Okay. Excuse me. And so uh, we sit in our office there and we c- continue to work on the script and the notes. And at that point, we have our assistants in the other room and they have our Scrivener files and the, the Google Docs and... Uh, you know, like the schedule, which is on uh, Google Calendar, and, you know, pretty much everything is now so intense that I basically sit at my laptop all day and play Missile Command, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I have, I, have, I have my an assistant now on board, and he's on iChat, and I have little codes for him that say, like, you know, call this person back, or yes to that, no to that put this in my calendar and actually a lot of that now I have in text expander. So I can just hit two letters and uh, it says, please put all this information in my calendar or, you know, tell, call this person back. You know, I, I've really enjoyed learning text expander in that regard. Yeah. Isn't and that an amazing app? I mean, you can do so it's much. It's incredible. With it. The one thing I found is that, um, someone, I read some review that, that one of the other, Alts to Text Expander. Well, I mean, maybe you shouldn't talk about it. they're a big sponsor, but that yeah, go for that it. they have a that they have a there are certain quirks to Text Expander. Although they've seemed to have gone away recently, maybe. But where I had a lot of trouble using the keyboard shortcut to create a new snippet. But let me see. Yeah, now it's working again. So forget that one. And then sometimes though, it puts something in your in your uh, clipboard, right? I'm not sure. I haven't had that problem. I think it does. Well, it, like it, it, it works by putting the whatever the snippet is in your clipboard and then pasting it. So then, when you, if you were, if you thought something else was in your clipboard, now the text expander snippet is in your clipboard. Yeah, I haven't had, but if it does, then it immediately puts back what used to be in your clipboard. So I haven't had that problem oh, I see. Where, I've, where where you've lost whatever was in your clipboard. Yeah, or I mean, I have. Launch bar, and I use that to have a clipboard history, but so it's not a big deal. But use you know, Launch bar too, and you you got it all figured out, David. Well, yeah, Launch bar is, I would say, my it's Launch bar Scrivener. <laughs> you use one password, right? Of no. course, I do. 
<laughs> Launch Bar, though, is is my number one Mac Power users discovery. That 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 oh. was one, that was all. Be, you know, at when you did that episode, I definitely was going to skip it and like listen to something else. You know, like oh, and because I just felt like I don't need Launch Bar. I don't even know what that is. I don't care. And you were so emphatic. <laughs> and by the end of the hour, I was like, hmm, I got to try this out. And uh, I'm, ob- I'm obsessed with it now. I, n- I never do anything without, using it, without doing it through Launch Bar. It's amazing. Yeah, it becomes muscle memory at some point. Yeah. And I know you, I remember you had talked about on one of the podcasts that how people look at what you're doing and they're like, what, is this magic? What the hell is going on? And I have the exact same thing. People come to my office for meetings. And I always have the external monitor facing the people in the meeting, so I can say, "Here, look at this idea, or this is the this is the the clip of the the scene, or whatever." And they're like, "How are you just making that appear without opening anything?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's especially nice when you do it at the Apple Store, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and then I also actually just switched from Chrome back to Firefox four, which is great. Um, and uh, anyway, whatever. You know, we're we're gonna have to do a show someday just on browsers because there's a lot of good options on the Mac. There are, yeah. and and I I I had been on Chrome for like you know I don't know a year or something, and and I had a certain number of issues with it, and now I'm really fully back to Firefox. Yeah, um, my issue with Chrome it's really fast, but it just doesn't have a lot of the Mac OS 10 conventions in it, you know, and it yeah I, it seems that it's a stopping point for me. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the quick search version, like t- shortcut searches, like I'm constantly needing to search IMDb or uh, Google Images, and and to do those quickly and easily on uh, Firefox is even better than Chrome, I think. Yeah, well, you know, you can do those like Google Images searches right in LaunchBar too. Launch I know, bar. I do that too. I do that too, yeah. and and you know, every it takes me like five times of doing something the long way before I realize, okay, I should take a minute and set it up so I or learn how to do it the the quick way. Yeah, that's that's we're all there, brother. <laughs> we're all there. All right, so we're in the pre pre production. We're doing the casting, which is sending the videos back and forth, and then we have a. A spreadsheet on Google Docs, which has you know every character and then every actor that has come in to read for it, and then what the status is, and who you know who do we like and who do we not like, and we have an ongoing color code of people involved in the movie. So I'm always dark green, and in every notes and spreadsheet doc that we have, if you see green print, you know that it's my, that's something that I'm saying, and Ken is blue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and that's one that you do need one password for because you want to have a nice password on that Google spreadsheet doc. Right. Well, but but it's it's on Google, so it's just whoever has access to it through their Google account yeah. has access to that. That's doc. true. That's true. Well, hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> hopefully, it doesn't get around. I mean, qu- quite frankly, if if someone ever got my Google password, it would be disaster. Yeah. But but yeah. I do make sure to keep it. You know, I I I I change my passwords and I and I uh, I use one password. Yeah, good. Um, okay. So then, as we get closer to shooting, we're you know more and more crew is coming in, and uh, we're doing. Sometimes we'll do test shoots. In fact, we're going to do another scene in a few weeks, and I'm gonna I'm gonna test shoot the whole scene because it's, it's kind of complicated and. Actually, cheaper than hiring a storyboard artist to make storyboards 
is to just go out with your iPhone and shoot it. And then you get a sense of how it plays and what the rhythms are and what the shots are and then edit it together. And then you're like, okay, this is what it's going to be. Now we get to do it when you're spending a ton of money every day to actually shoot it on film and you, it's your second, second whack at it. So you just like, I guess you have an assistant or somebody who plays the roles and you just go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, or, you know, for this particular scene, we're, we're going to be matching into a scene we shot in another place in the fall. And so we're going to actually hire some extras to come and do it so we can really do it well. Um, anyway, so then I, I'm trying to think. Yeah, prep is a lot of just meetings, talking, production meetings. Sounds like you really rely on the Google suite for that stuff. For sure. Yeah. And, and uh, definitely, definitely all that. And then scouting, you know, I... I have the little adapter so I can plug the laptop into the the van uh, power in the in the lighter mm-hmm. when we're driving around all over Georgia looking for things, and I have a little sprint thing for the internet. And okay. yeah, so 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 scouting locations, you just take the pictures with your eyesight camera, or well, in in this particular I, case, I, know. I wouldn't imagine you take it with an eyesight. No, no. I mean, I'll snap a few on my iPhone, but generally, you know, there's people with in the locations crew that are really taking the photos. Gotcha. Oh, so and, you're just uh, using that to navigate and figure out where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm more. I'm more just saying, like, I when we're scouting out, if it's an hour drive somewhere, I'm online and I'm doing everything else. Oh uh, yes. Okay, I get it. You're still mobile. And I don't use Google Docs offline. I guess I could set that up, but so I just generally get online when I work. Because at this point, it's pretty easy yeah. to always be online. So then we uh, get into the shooting, I guess, is what happens next. And when we're shooting, I tend to print out the script. And I, and I have a shot list every day of you know, what the different shots are. And I, instead of having like 15 pieces of paper in my hand, I, I try to print out one sheet of paper that has the text of the script squeezed way down and condensed so that it doesn't take up so much space and all the shot lists and whatever notes I have on one sheet of paper. So I can just be looking at that one thing all day. And then as I, um, when we're shooting with the actors and everything and things change constantly. So I'll post my agenda, the shot list for the day up on the, on the cart where everyone can see it. And then I'll often revise it and print it out over and over again over the day. And we'll also be rewriting the script during the day a lot. And so we'll pass out, you know, there's a system where they pass out different colored pages for revisions on, on set. Okay. Didn't know. And so that's, that, that's a system that's been in place since the thirties or something. And so, you know, sometimes I'll be like, okay, we have to publish a, a pink script for this scene and, and, you know, I'll write it on my laptop and, it's it's already in the Dropbox, and then within a minute, hopefully, someone in the office is able to print it and bring it out, and the actors can have it in their hands. So how how much can you actually shoot in, in a typical day? Are you shooting a scene or it's usually or parts of a well, scene? Well, you know, a scene in a in a uh, movie like mine is anywhere from an eighth of a page to three pages, or sometimes a really long scene might be five or six pages, and. When I say pages, I mean usually minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, on a movie like this, you would shoot anywhere from two to five pages a day. Okay. And so it just depends on um, a million factors, how much action there is and how much dialogue and how many locations um, and how fast we move. So when but, you're out, uh, so then, yeah. so when you're out there and you're directing and uh, you you really don't use your your Mac too much for that. Now you're hands on working with the people, et cetera. Yeah, although I do sit there with my laptop a lot. Uh, maybe maybe it's uh, more than I should, but you know you're directing. But a lot of times you're directing and then you're like, okay, this is what it is. And then you know the 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 basic process is the actors come out and you sort of tell them where they're supposed to stand and show them what's going to happen and show the cameras basically where they're going to be. And then you run it once or twice just to get a sense of what it is. And then the actors go back and get like touched up and get makeup and costume and they go through the works at the same time, the lighting people do the lighting. And that's a period which is a moment of downtime for the director. And that's when I'll be like looking at the next scene and making sure that script is ready and those that shot list and maybe looking at next week's scene and making sure that we have the right actors coming. And, you know, there's a hundred things to think of about at once. It's a very insanely multitasking type profession. It sounds I guess like similar, similar to being a lawyer. So our next sponsor is one password. And Katie, did you know that uh, agile has a new name? They do. Agile has recently changed their name to agile, but yeah, it used to be Agile Web Solutions, which never really made sense to me because they just make killer Mac and iOS software, and I never really understood the web thing. But if you go back in the company history, they were doing web stuff before they got into the Mac and saw the light. So now they've matched reality. You know, the name matches the, the company. Yep. So congratulations on the name change. And, you know, 1Password is just the best password utility on any platform, and I can say that now because it is on pretty much any platform. Yeah. But you were talking about a, a trick that I hadn't really thought of, and that was uh, searching out bad passwords. Yeah, you know, there was recently a um, massive breach by Sony and people who use the Sony PlayStation Network. And now people may say, okay, well, what does this have to do with my Mac and my, you know, all of my other passwords? Well, it goes back to that same age-old problem where people are using the same passwords over and over and over again against different sites. And, you know, perhaps if you're relatively new to 1Password or maybe if you haven't gotten around to changing all of your passwords again, you still may be using a lot of duplicate passwords across multiple sites. 1Password has a great feature where you can actually search 1Password by password. So take the password perhaps a password that you use commonly or perhaps a password that you fear might have been compromised, type it into the search box of 1Password, uh, and then it has a bunch of criteria. You can either search by title, location, username, everything, or there's a specific criteria to search by password. And it will pull up a list of all the sites you use that use that same password. So you immediately know which sites you have to go into and change because you're using the same password multiple times. It's a great feature. You can also sort by password if you're concerned that you might be using the same password over and over again. So there's really no excuse now. Get those passwords changed. Don't use the same passwords across multiple sites. And stop playing Sony. You know, yeah, you get got back to work on your Mac. <laughs> so. 
Um, you can find One Password over at onepassword.com. A Mac license is $39.99. A family license for up to five users is $69.95. Uh, you can get an iOS hybrid app for $14.99 or an iPhone or iPad individual license for $9.99. And, of course, if you use the link in our show notes, we can save you 20% off those prices, except on the, uh, on the uh, iOS apps. And thank you, Agile, for supporting the Mac Power users. Do you actually have to deal with, uh, I'm assuming that you have people who deal with, with managing the people and getting everybody where they're supposed to be, but how do you communicate that information to them? Like, okay, next week we're going to be doing, you know, Tuesday we're going to be doing this, so I need you to have, right. I guess then they'll know, if Tuesday we're doing this, then we need to have X, Y, Z in place to do that. Well, How do you communicate that information out? Is it just email or? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of email, a lot of email and a lot of Google Doc. You know, it's a lot of saying, okay, you know, I, you know, using the Google Doc feature that says email everyone who's gotten this Google Doc, and, and I'll say, hey, I just changed this, so make sure that these that we get this happening for this scene. But once you're on set, what's great is there's a there's a a guy who's the assistant director, and it's a little bit of a misnomer. The assistant director is really the guy who runs the entire shoot in, from a logistical point of view, and. They, this, this guy stand, his name is Mark uh, on this film and Mark would stand next to me and basically overhear everything that's going on in my brain and put it in action, you know, and I talked to him a lot, but a lot of it is just him being smart and thinking ahead and predicting where the problems might be and solving them before I even know about them. And it's him and his team that do all the organizing and they create a call sheet every day that goes out to every single person in the cast and crew saying, here's everything that's being shot tomorrow. Here's every piece of equipment that's needed. Here's every crew person and what time they need to be there and how they're supposed to arrive and where they're supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and then here's like a preview of the next three days beyond that. Uh, and so that's their thing. And, and David, you were saying that sometimes when uh, you're getting ready to shoot a scene and you've got some downtime, that you'll be working on the following scene. So if you go in and, for instance, make a change to a script there, mm-hmm. is, are you doing that on your Mac? Oh, yeah. Okay, and then app. and which app are you working in at that point for the script? Final Draft. Oh. Then you just sort of, at least in the way we have it now, you have to be working in Final Draft. Okay. And then what I'll do is I have other people at that point who are also dealing with the script in different ways, and so I'll say, hey, in the Dropbox is a new version of, scene 48 Baker and, and then they'll say, okay, we'll send that to the powers that be and get it approved and then send it back or depending on what the need is. Um, but I'd say with Dropbox, you save yourself the, the hassle of saying and emailing it to people and, you know, having to keep track of which copy of which script is where. I'm just wondering how on earth would you have done that five years ago? Well, you know, I think about this all the time. I actually talked to, um, people who have been in the business a long, long time. And I say, how did you do any of this stuff without computers? And I think the answer was they took more time and they also had a lot more people who were just doing nothing but typing and dealing with paperwork, you know? Yeah. Right. But uh, in my case, you know, I made my first movie 10 years ago. We had much less of all this stuff. And I mean, you know, you did it. (laughs) It just now things can happen so much more efficiently. Interesting. So then, so then, when you finish a day of shooting, do you does the Mac come out again? Um, 
So we'd finish the day of shooting and then, yeah, absolutely. Well, what I would generally do is we'd be done with the day and then I would, uh, on the ride home back to where I was staying, I would usually Skype my wife <laughs> and say hello. That's important. Uh, yeah. And to my kids and then in the car on the way home. And then when I got home, I will make the shot list and the notes for the next day. Um, and that usually took, takes, takes me until I pass out. Wow, that's tough. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes the call time the next day is 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. It's a, it's a crazy existence when you're shooting. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you're probably one of the more technically savvy directors out there. I, ho- I, would, I hope so. Yeah, do they, do they mock you? <laughs> Actually, well, there are directors I've heard about that are like 10 times beyond. I think David Fincher, J.J. Abrams, I've heard they, they're like inventing their own systems. Like, you know, they're real programmers. Or, or Doug Lyman is uh, the director of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He's, he's into building robots and so forth. And so well, I, I'm definitely, there, I have a ways to go if I want to get to be the uber nerd filmmaker. <laughs> Do they do they do they give you a hard time about it? The all, like the actors and stuff. Yeah, all the technology you use. Oh yeah, totally. I get teased constantly. Yeah, well, me too. And and well, and important. sometimes I do get out of hand. Like sometimes I'll you know in the course of two days I'll change the system by which the Google Doc is organized three times, and people are like David, just leave it alone. Like we just figured out your dumb system. <laughs> now don't change it again. <laughs> so hmm. I definitely get. You know, I, I catch myself just playing around with it sometimes, or just getting a little too anal about it. Um, yeah, we've all been there, brother. I know. Well, I just, <laughs> I do try to be like, just keep it simple. It works good enough. <laughs> but that is the great thing about, I think, the Mac these days. It's like it, you're you're lear- there's always ways to like simplify too. You know, you can replace two apps with one app, or you can replace a lot of things with a simpler thing, and you know, you can not use Microsoft Word, and you can have the MacBook Air, which isn't as uh, big or powerful as your MacBook Pro, and be happy about it because it's so simple, you know. Um, anyway, so, okay, so we, so then we're shooting, and that goes on. We, you know, we shot this movie for 46 days, um, and then we're getting uh, cuts from the edit room, which was in Los Angeles, 3,000 miles away, every day. And those are uh, those are sent over a proprietary system called Pix that we use, which I also wish they could just use Dropbox, but they, they don't, won't approve it for security reasons. Mm-hmm. But they send us little quick times of all the cuts of the scenes as they're getting, um, as they're being edited. And then we also have the dailies, all the footage available to us on, on that Pix system, um, which you can watch on your computer or up on the, on the TV screen. And that's pretty much how the shoot goes. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's a yeah. lot of tech. It's crazy. And then I'm not, I don't even know the tech that other departments are using. Like the, you know, I know the camera department has some of their own specific stuff they do. And, you know, there's the transportation department, I think, has their own software. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I would sometimes be curious about, but I'm sure there's, there's more. Yeah. So the, so the movie's shot, the movie is wrapped, and, and then I guess it goes into this multi-month editing process? Yes. Well, the, the editing that, process is okay. longer than, than any other part and harder. Okay. And in some okay. ways more fun. But So, yeah, we, we wrapped this around Thanksgiving and then immediately went into post-production um, editing. 
and we're still in it now, and we're not going to be done till July. Um, and basically, that's going into uh, an office with, uh, you know, we, right now we have three editors, and we have a staff, and we have, I have my own uh, Avid in in my office, and we have a shared media server called a Unity, and everyone can open up any reel of the movie, which is like any 10-minute section of the movie, and do and work on it. And, you know, you're doing all the editing, and you can also do effects and sound work and music and everything right on the Mac. And I will take a pass at a scene, and then I'll go into the other editor's room and say, hey, I just did a pass on this scene. Throw it up on your screen and take a look at it. And, you know, it's all all on the same server so that's that's exciting <laughs> you know i i've never worked with avid i have done some stuff in final cut but i'm you know like i said i'm not in your business so i'm clearly not yeah. very qualified but so are you able to have multiple people working in the same uh i guess cut at the same time or is it basically there's a project which is the whole movie and you can open up a certain bin which means like a reel, which is a 10-minute chunk of the movie. Okay. And once I open it, I'm controlling it. So it's, it's not like Dropbox where it'll suddenly have all these uh, conflicts. Like w- once you open it, then you're controlling it and no one else can yeah, do anything. The other guys can't get in at that point. They can open it and look at it. They just can't make changes. Okay. And okay. So, then I can, so then I close the reel and then somebody else can work on it. And then we just keep making copies every day to make sure, you know, we can, because you're constantly saying, maybe we, maybe this whole thing we've been working on the last three days isn't really the way to go. Let's go, let's revert back to where we were last week and go back and, you know. So would it be like the equivalent, so you're making copies, so are you making destructive edits every time you're doing something? So you're always having to constantly save as? Or? No, no. Well, you're, you're. I mean, I know that's probably a simplified analogy, but. Basically, you can you actually can always go back into the attic on the avid and find you know if you didn't save it as a separate as a different file name but they don't have a system yet where it's basically you just have to make another you know it's i have real 5 wednesday version and then if i'm going to go and work on it i'll make a copy of it and call it real 5 thursday version david wayne so that you know the work that the other editor did he can say, wait a minute, I didn't like what the changes you made. Let's look at my version so that we always have all of the ones going all the way back to when we started. Okay. So you're just making multiple copies yes. of every, wow. Huge storage requirements. Where, where, where's all this stuff? Oh, it, it's insane storage requirements. There's a huge, big machine. Uh, I mean, we're beyond Drobo at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's called yeah. a Unity. And uh, everything is in the Unity. But But the thing is that the media is ju- is the media, and then all of these sequences access the same media. So the sequences are actually quite small. And in, in fact, I was able to take a, a mobile rig with the entire everything with me to New York when I went to New York for a week on two drives that sat on my desk. Because, you know, the, even if we make 700 versions of the movie, you're still accessing the same media. You're not recopying the media. The same yet. raw data, right. Um, and that's so that's a, and that that's that's how you can email sequences back and forth. I can say here's a new cut of the movie, and all I have to I can email it through Gmail because it's just it's very small. This is another thing that's been really transformed by technology. I was involved in a lawsuit several years ago 
about a, a feature film and one of the big damages element was the guy cut it wrong and the movie was ruined. They said, you know, back then you could actually ruin a movie by oh, uh, sure, by cutting it bad because it wasn't like now where you can just go back to the original files and start over. Well, I did that um, on my student film. If I like, if I cut a shot too short and then I lost the little piece that I cut literally because it went into the garbage can or, you know, through the sewer, then it was just gone. Um, it's, it's definitely a whole new world that way. And you can do so much more, which is sometimes a double-edged sword. You can get drowned in a sea of alts and options. Now, now you said at the beginning of the show that you preferred Final Cut over Avid. Could you talk about yeah. that a little bit? Well, I just think that Final Cut is so much more intuitive in so many ways. Uh, there are so many, I think the Avid software, now I have to say Avid recently came out with a new version uh, which I haven't used, which I hear actually answers a lot of the complaints that people had about it and, and, and makes it what? more. You don't think it's a good idea to switch mid, mid-production? Come on. <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> and in fact, the reason we didn't use the new Avid software for this production is because it was too new and, and too, too many reports of too many bugs. And so we stuck with the old one. But Basically, I think the Avid is just, it's an old, it's an old program that has not updated enough in enough ways. And it's just, it's, it's similar to Final Draft, that screenwriting program to me. It's, it's counterintuitive in a lot of ways. Basic functionality that should, should make sense, that, that does make sense in, in Final Cut, uh, doesn't exist in the Avid. There's no way to do certain things. And every day I would go into the assistant editor uh, who's sort of the you know the local tech expert on all these things and say there must be some way on the Avid to do this and he's like nope there no it's impossible wow and you're like wow that's so funny because it's just a button on Final Cut Pro so have you have you checked out the uh, screenshots and the information about the new Final Cut Pro coming out later this year I heard a little bit about it yeah and I, I I'm a little scared because it looks a lot like iMovie to me yeah um so you know I'll one of the things I'll do when I'm done with, you know, I haven't, this movie has basically been every second of my time for over the last year and a half. I bet. So yeah. one of the things I'll do when I'm done with it is, uh, you know, check out some of the newer software, like, like the new Avid and the new Final Cut and get a sense of it. I'm not, I'm not a loyalist to anything, whatever works. That's the, that's the way to do it. So, uh, One thing, now you had you said Google Docs a lot through your editing process as well. How's that? Oh my God! Yeah. Well, more than 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 any other time because, well, right now we have three editors, plus myself, plus Ken, my partner, and then we have other people chiming in as well on the cuts. And so it, we also have a music department, a music supervisor, and a composer, and we have the sound department, which is people doing ADR recording, which is like when they do dialogue replacement, and the people preparing to do the mix, and everyone is looking at a master document with all of the notes that are happening on everything so that we don't have to have 500 different documents. And so it's, it's organized by scene, and, if we, and there's 125 scenes in the movie. So for scene 92, it'll say, here's edit notes, and it'll be a report from the editors on what they've done when, and then my notes as a director, what I want them to do, or my reaction to what I've seen, and try this, try that, and then in a separate 
part of that same scenes section is the music notes and like the and we'll put a link to uh, an illustration or a QuickTime or a song or what you know and then the sound people were like hey can we get this sound effect and it's just everything that you can imagine under the sun on this huge document which we're constantly referring to and cleaning up and adding to and subtracting from it's it's a little unwieldy but it's the best I can come up with right now. You know, really, that sounds really efficient to me. The one part that I wish you could do is have like triangles, like a like an outlining thing where you can close up a whole thing because yeah. yeah. you just you don't have that in Google Docs, and I don't know of any web based outlining or notes program where I wish you could say, "Here's all the music notes for this scene," but if for those who aren't interested, just close it and you don't have to look at them. You know. Um, cause these documents get so long. I don't know if a wiki would do that or if an OPML document, maybe that's an, that's wiki. an issue. I didn't think about a wiki. Interesting. Well, <laughs> might, maybe, I don't know. Well, you're in too deep on this one already. You can't change it now. Yeah. We probably won't change it this time around, yeah. but you know, I'm always th- next time around, I'm really going to think about all these decisions cause you know, every time you want to do better. Yeah, and frankly, every time, if if it takes a couple of years to do one of these, uh, there's a yeah. lot of new stuff available, stuff that exactly. wasn't there the first time. One of the nice things mm-hmm. about the uh, way we do it, though, is we're editing. When I first saw the Avid, we would edit at such a low res, it looked like early YouTube, what, you know, everything we were working on. Now we're editing at such high res that we can do a proper test screening in a movie theater uh, right from the Avid cut, and the audience can't tell the difference. Nice. So you've obviously got a lot of balls in the air at all, you know, any given time trying to keep any, you know, everything juggled up there. How do you keep track of all this stuff? Are you using any particular software that tells you this is what I've got to do next or I've got to remember to do this? Any kind of task management or just Katie, I'm, project management? I'm app? just like you, Katie. I started with things and then now I'm in OmniFocus. Okay. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I in a way, I have I don't have anything much new to say about it that you guys haven't talked about, which is that I found things to be kind of cool, and then when without proper sync, it just it's just you know endless. You know, they just came out with the beta for sync. They did. Just happened this. Yeah, I don't. Just well, recently they, this they've morning. lost me permanently. They, did their whole way of operating, their whole way of communicating with their their users, uh, just turned me off. To no end, and then I finally got used to OmniFocus and learned all the the power of it. I still haven't learned all the tricks. I'm halfway through the second screencast. Are you watching that? Awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but but I I only I don't have a good moment in like where I have time for screencasts that I can think of. So it it's also becoming a bathroom thing for me. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, you know, <laughs> I tried watching. I, I will I tried watching, you anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually tried watching it in the car one day, and I realized that's not a good idea. Yeah, well, when I'm driving, you I'm know. glad you're watching that. Oh I no, hope, I hope no, you get something. Like out. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm a big podcast. I love listening to all different kinds of podcasts when I'm running, especially, and when I'm driving. But I ride my bike to work here in LA. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I have uh, all my stuff in in OmniFocus, and I do my best to keep it organized. But it's it's tough to not make it just a big dumping ground, you know? Yeah. And I imagine that when you're, it sounds to me you're in the mode right now that I am in when I'm in trial, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where things are just, the bullets are really flying. And to be honest, I don't use OmniFocus a lot in those circumstances because I know naturally what needs to happen. 
Right. And it well, just, that's it exactly. just happens. You know, you just make it happen. And uh, it's not a lot of planning type task stuff. It's like, okay, you know, I've got to deal with this right now. That's exactly right, actually. It's probably a good analogy. I, I, at the, in these very crazy moments, I just dump things for later. Like when I think of like, oh, I should buy a present for my aunt and I'll put that in OmniFocus. But then the, the daily work of getting the movie done, yeah, just, you just could do it. Yeah, you don't have a task that says fix scene 22 because that's just what you're going to do that day. Right. Yeah. But I do keep, I do actually keep, there is a certain level of task that is really helpful still in OmniFocus, like, you know, especially things that are coming up but can't be dealt with now. That's what's so great about it. I'll, for example, you know, I've asked the composer to try a version of something and then I put a reminder in OmniFocus to check in on that, you know, in a week and or things like that. Does the music uh, get done at the same time as you're doing the editing or is that at the end? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a back and forth because if they really did, if they started the music from the beginning... Um, after we had already locked the picture uh, cut for the, of the movie, they would never have enough time. So they have to, and also we like to use the music for test screenings. Yeah. Uh, so it's an ongoing process where they're uh, creating the music, and you know that whole system is really interesting. How they do make the music on Pro Tools make it sound so great, um, but they spend uh, they do all that. Um, ongoing back and forth and and it's definitely can be frustrating for them because they'll spend a good amount of time putting together a piece of music for a certain scene and then we say oh that scene's just been cut you know yeah sorry now it's back and now it's different you know now they do they work in avid as well with their final product i mean they go from pro tools do they put it into avid so it's oh you wish you would think they would this is one of my big frustrations no they don't they they finish they the music is done in pro tools and delivered to us in as an aif which we then import into Mm. the avid and then the sound people don't can't access the avid cut and so they have to translate it back and forth and it doesn't fully translate it's this is the biggest problem in in this in the system these two areas the sound music and and picture editorial there's absolutely no reason why all of that shouldn't be in total sync with each other and they're not at all yeah and so often the sound people are working on the wrong version of the movie because the only way that they can get a version of the movie to work on is we have to send it to the assistant editor who outputs it and converts it to a QuickTime file with the proper settings and then takes it on a drive physically up to the sound people. Nuts. Anyway. Nuts. <laughs> Your audience is like... Got to be a better way. No, no okay. I get that. I mean, everybody deals with that in one way or another in their industry yeah. because... Uh, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, the software companies aren't fast enough, but I think in your industry with these huge media files, it's probably worse than ever. Yeah. It's, I mean, I wish though sometimes that the, the really smart, smartest developer people who are doing some of the coolest programs would be working on some of these programs. (laughs) Well, maybe one of them's listening. We have some really smart people listening to the show, so hopefully we can help something happen. Well, that would be great. Yeah. How do you uh, deal with scheduling? Do you use any calendar type applications, or I use I have my calendar on Google. I actually was using BusyCal for a long time, and I just kind of decided I don't need it. I I went back to just the web Google Calendar, um, and I have a shared calendar for the movie that is shared with Ken, my partner, and and my assistant, 
And then I have my personal calendar that my assistant also can uh, access and use. And I have my wife's calendar on there. So we, I don't have to, we save the whole thing of telling each other when things are happening. Do you have a, and, do you have a favorite uh, iPhone app to access your Google calendar? You know, I actually I also tried a bunch of, um, a couple of different alternate ones. And I used Calvetica for a while. And then I just went back to the regular calendar. I just found, I yeah. found it to be kind of the simplest. Yeah. Well, Apple does that. But I've never used iCal, weirdly. I, you just use the web I just use the web uh, uh, Google. I, I used to use um, Now Up to Date mm-hmm. uh, for years and years, but then it kind of just disappeared. Well, that's the guys that did um, that BusyCal. BusyCal. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, BusyCal is okay. I just, I just felt like I didn't need the separate app. Yeah. You know, I'm in the browser for the most part all day, and so it's just right there. Well, not only that, it sounds to me like you really have adopted, I guess, the Google lifestyle. The you Google life. You've got all the documents, the, <laughs> the spreadsheets. I guess Does that so. worry you? Does that worry you that Google has your life? I, you know, it really Some doesn't. Some people are really freaked out about that. I guess I just feel like didn't someone, there was a blog post recently on Brooks or something that said, which is how I feel. It's like, we're just in a different era. That's, there's a different, there's a different definition of privacy and, you know, yeah, that was practically efficient. To, yeah. Yeah, right. And I think you just have to let go. I, I mean, for me, I, I, I feel like it's worth the amazing convenience of all of these services to have the tiny risk that someone's going to figure it out and abuse it in some way, you know? Yeah. Um, there's certain things that I don't put online, you know, or that I don't put in my Dropbox, but very few, just the most very, very crucial personal documents um, and all. Yeah, I'm largely with you too. I mean, in, I'm more conservative than a lot of people, but I'm much more liberal than most lawyers about that stuff. And as I get older, I'm getting to where I just don't care. You know, <laughs> it's up there. You know, if, if you really want to get on there and figure out, you know, my favorite documents in Instapaper, God bless you. Go for it. Right. You know, right. As long as you can't get my money or my, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, David, what about email? Do you do anything special with email? I'm, uh, I'm trying on, to hit some of the highlights. <laughs> predictably, I'm on Gmail, and uh, yeah. I use the I, again. I, I use the Gmail interface. I've I've been a, a detractor of Mac Mail for a long time. I just find it to be. I've never. I I've tried it once a year. I try it again, and I just find it to be slow and weird and buggy and unpredictable and. I don't know. I just I'm just not into it. And the the Gmail interface is so predictable and so dependable these days. And uh, I tried Sparrow for a while, and again, just felt like the, it's real simple. It's always the same. Gmail. Yeah, I think if you're going to use Gmail, using the website is a good way to go because they got those key combinations. You can really fly through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the best one is the uh, bracket one where it, you archive and move to the next one. And I just basically do that. Uh, that's all I do is get rid of it, you know. Inbox zero. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I know you've got your own website over at davidwayne.com. Mm-hmm. Did you do that or do you have someone do that for you? I did it in iWeb. Put together. I thought it might be an iWebsite. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great iWebsite, if so. Oh, thanks. I just, uh, you know, I, I fiddle with it when I want to do something for kicks. And uh, it's, um, 
I wish they would come out with another iWeb. That's been a couple of years. Yeah, it's kind of uh, weird. They they updated a bunch of stuff, but not that. It is so well, it, simple to use. I I know a little HTML, and I I've built some other sites in the past in other ways. Um, and I was thinking about moving the whole thing to become a WordPress site. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I might even do that at some point. But the, the, the iWeb is just so simple. You just drag a photo in there, and boom, and you know, it's well. You know, the only thing that gave it away as an iWeb site to me um, was your photo gallery, just because it uh-huh. had that kind of Apple-y look with the thing. And but otherwise, I had no idea it was an iWeb site. Oh, it, it, I take that as a real wonderful. compliment. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And they force you to use a certain style of um, menu on the on the site, but I just sort of worked around that, or worked with yeah. that. But uh, I'm glad you liked it. So then, I don't really, I don't think, I don't, I actually don't even have a counter on it, so I don't even know who ever goes to it. But I don't really care. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm the same way with MaxSparky.com. I almost never check the statistics. I don't. I would write that if nobody read it. Right. Yeah. That's that's exactly what it. And I have a blog that I I honestly don't know if anyone reads, and I really don't care. Yeah. I know that a couple people read it, and that's fine. <laughs> well, we'll get all the links for that in the show notes. But now, now at this all point, right. you're in. So you're in the post production, doing the editing, and what what's next? And how's how are you going to get that? Well, next we get into the finishing, which is the the sound mix uh, and the sound design, and the and you know the final test screenings, and then and the music and the color correct. Um, all of that is done on, you know, very high end proprietary software. Uh, in these different places, except for more and more, they're doing the final sound mix on the sound design software Pro Tools. And I'm pushing for us to do that as well on this one so that you don't have to spend all this time translating from one to another. And then when the movie's done, you know, they actually, they scan the original negative. It's still the, the ancient technology of the film negative that gets then gets scanned into the computer and then they they do a high res scan and they color correct that and they put that back onto a piece of film uh along with the soundtrack and then you have the finished film and they they make copies and send it out to theaters i didn't know um, that i would i always assume that you the product you're working in in avid is the source for the final for the final print no no it's they even though the it should be frankly because it's actually uh, I think the Avid is already working at as high resolution as the eye can see. Um, but that's not the standard, at least now. You still have to go back to the original negative and scan the final choices. Uh, it's a very expensive process, and you make a digital intermediate, and then you do all the color work on that, and then uh, it, it, it gets laser printed onto a new negative. It's a weird process. Interesting. Wow. And then, uh, yeah. And in the meantime, you're at some point back on Skype with your friends, and you're working on the next one, right? <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I'm. I'm actually going to take a sabbatical. I'm taking my first real time off in about five years. Well, it sounds um, like you I've, deserve it after this. I've been very lucky and grateful to be working a lot, but it's been a little too much because I did this TV show at the same time as as uh, the movie uh, Children's Hospital. So Children's and and had had a baby three months ago. So it's been a busy mm-hmm. period. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you very much. So you have a, a three year old and a, and a new baby. A three year old and a three month old. Yeah. Wow. 
it's uh it's a lot <laughs> it happens fast brother i'll tell you i know well that's why i'm taking time off so i, I don't want to miss that that side of things uh too much so now when is the movie coming out october 7th yeah tell us all about it the movie comes okay. out october 7th and the uh it's it's called wanderlust and it stars uh, jennifer aniston and paul rudd and it's a romantic comedy about this uh, couple from new york and um they lose their apartment and their jobs and they hit the road and very insane uh antics ensue and um if you want i can tell you some of the other things to look out for Sure. Um, I, the the next season of my TV show, Children's Hospital, which has been a critical darling and a and a hit, uh, premieres in June, June second, on Adult Swim, which is the Cartoon Network. And the DVD of the first three seasons of Children's Hospital, or the first two seasons, comes out in May this soon. Maybe it's out now. I know you can pre-order it on Amazon. And in September. The DVD of my web series Weenie Days is released, so you know a lot of good stuff. And my and my and my cartoon show Super Jail, which I'm the main voice uh, on this cartoon, is on the air right now. It's every Sunday night on Adult Swim at midnight. Super Jail, what's that about? That is about a very like uh, psychedelic, crazy, violent jail in a in a volcano in the middle of the ocean. And I play the crazy warden that is in charge of it. It's not for uh, for everyone. Is that one of your projects? No, I actually am just the voice of the guy of the warden, and uh, so it's not my not my project. But uh, you know, it's a pretty cool show. It it's like not for everyone. My wife hates it, for example. <laughs> <laughs> and and we can find links to all this stuff on your website. Yeah, or it's all it's up? all at davidwayne.com. So tell me this. Uh, here's a question since you're a Mac nerd. You see the uh, movies and sometimes the Macs are in them and sometimes the uh-huh. Mac is in them with a sticker over it. Right. Uh, and I guess that depends on is there a licensing? Is, is Apple involved with that? or This is they just are. for my own curiosity. Right. I think, there's, I think there's, there's, there's three levels. There's, there's product placement where they actually pay sometimes. I don't know what Apple does specifically actually, but I know there's, there's Macs. There's a lot of Macs in our movie. Um, but I think that it's a combination. Sometimes they just give you permission to use it. Sometimes they actually give you the, uh, the equipment to use. Sometimes they pay you to use it. And sometimes you don't have permission and then you have to cover it up or something. Oh, really? So there's every, there's every possibility. And I actually don't know what we did on ours. Why would they not give someone permission to use it? It seems like the more. I mean, my well, thing or is maybe you've got what? deals with somebody else and you can't show them. Apple I mean, I'm basically saying I'm such a promoter of the brand that they should probably send me some stuff right now. I think so too. Yeah, we'll, we'll let them yeah. know. I think they should send you one of everything. Yeah, that's good. Starting with the Mac Plus. Well, and they can send us stuff too. I think they should. It. I really think they yeah. should. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. They might send you, you stuff. You on twenty four how the um, the terrorists always had PCs and the good guys always had Macs. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also they, they all had the, everybody in the entire show drove Fords until they didn't, and then they drove some other car afterwards. You know, whatever deal they had that season with the car maker. I think Toyotas or something like that, unless you were a bad guy. Um, well, now, now I think we've covered it. 
Yeah. Well, David, exactly. thank you so much for volunteering to come on here and let us put you to the question. This was Let, a, Let's be honest. I, I wrote you and begged you to come on. Oh. <laughs> All I can say is the admiration is mutual. Like I said, I, well, I used to stay up anytime. late to watch the state. It was great back before. I guess we had VCRs back then, but that was... You a- know, I think it's also now the state is on Netflix and or Hulu uh, for those who don't want to yet invest in the DVD. Yeah, and I also saw on your website you've got like uh, an ad- additional clips or something you've got now, a DVD. Uh, yeah, well, the DVD itself has a ton of extras, yeah, a lot I'm, of stuff. I think I'm just going to order it because I, I would love to go back and watch some of those again. It's been a long time since I've seen them. You might Not until your book's done, Matt. Yeah. Write the next book, and then it'll be your gift. I, After the book's done. I'm neck deep in that. I'm like 30,000 words in, so I'm getting there. And are, do you write in Scrivener? Yeah, yeah. I write in Scrivener and Notational Velocity, generally. I mean, but most of it's in Scrivener. I, uh, the, the more I like just automatically think to go to Notational Velocity, the more useful it becomes. And it's just all there. Yeah. It's really, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, a thing about text now, where all of a sudden text is a, is a useful medium. Right. And it's, it's a, not even RTF, it's just text. And I think that's partly because the iPad doesn't really have good support for RTF. But, but a lot of people are are jumping on that bandwagon, and it's just amazing if you look in the Mac App Store. Now that we have a Mac App Store, all these text editors are coming out. You know, all these right. these simple text editors, and and I think people are starting to get it. But I didn't. Uh, I'm not on the Markdown train yet. I I tried it, and I'm like, this seems like a waste of time. Yeah, well, if it doesn't work for you, or you don't need it, I mean, that that's the thing. I I think I've 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 talked about that so much that people write me up angry about it. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, what is, why why is it? Why are you doing it? Well, for me, I think the reason it really is helpful is because I'm always jumping between iOS, you know, my iPad in right, general, right. and and the computer. That and, I could see. And I like having the markdown in there. That way, when I mark something as italic or bold or whatever, it stays. Right, um, but if you're not, it sounds to me the way you work is it's not really necessary because you don't really do a lot of writing on your iPhone or your iPad. You're doing it at your uh, fancy pants MacBook Air. Uh-huh. So yeah, well, just keep going. <laughs> the one thing I wish they would have is an ability to have. I wish they would just add a little more to Google Docs, and then it would be the perfect word processor because you can't do a, an easy. You can't copy and paste formats or anything like that. It needs a little more. Then then it'd be really great. And you know, for me, I always I, every time I look at Google Docs, it seems to me like it needs a lot more to really be a word processor. But for a collaboration tool, it's just like unmatched. Yeah. I mean, I've been in there where we've had a sudden emergency, and I need two or three people working on something at the same time, and it is yeah. perfect for that. I mean, and it's so easy to do now that I I often will just somebody sends me a word doc, I throw out the word doc, copy it into a Google Doc. And so then we can all talk about it, you know? Yeah. And I also <laughs> send people a link about why you shouldn't use send word docs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With all the, uh, the viruses and all that. Yeah. And it's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has got in it in Microsoft's favor because I'm always perceived as this guy who hates Microsoft, but I don't. And, the new version of Microsoft Office is much better than anything they've had in a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. If I wanted to use a, a really full featured word processor, would, I, would you recommend that or Pages? Um, I would say if the features you need are in Pages, use Pages. Pages. All right. And if, but if you have to collaborate with others who are only using Word, there's something to be said for Word. Unfortunately, I don't have the option to use Pages because you know everything I do, I have to 
be compatible with the other folks in my office. See, most people, a lot of people I know don't have Word because they bought a Mac and they use it for web surfing and Twitter and Facebook and so forth. And they have no reason to buy Microsoft Word, you know. Yeah. And so. That's a great position to be in. Yeah. But I mean, and so a lot of times I, the the only time I use any word processor usually is I have a piece of a document that's generated wherever. And I want to just make it look like a nice little more fancy presentation to send as a PDF to the studio or something. And that's when I will, you know, want to format it and make sure it sits nicely on the page and stuff. Um, so maybe pages is good for that. I've used Bean for that right now and it seems fine. Yeah, whatever works, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and then, and so do you know what your next big problem, you're just going to take some time off now? Well, I do have a lot of things in the, in the pipeline right now. We're, we, we're doing another season of Children's Hospital, this TV show. And uh, we have an, sub, several other, I have actually a number of other TV and film projects that are in various uh, phases, but I'm just going to turn the whole thing off for maybe a couple of months and, and hang out with my family and, with myself. Well, sounds great. And I hope all the Mac power users make sure to get out and see Wanderlust because it's, you know, one of us. Oh yeah. One of us. That's right. <laughs> there's actually uh there's a, yeah, there's a fair amount of Mac use in the movie. You'll see. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate it guys. I'm, I'm pretty starstruck as I said. So it's kind of cool. It's, it's mutual Dave. I mean, like <laughs> I said, it was great when I heard you state and then, um, You've done so many projects. I've I've caught up with Children's Hospital. I started watching that, and uh, it's it's definitely you know it's it's my sense of humor, but not necessarily everybody's. But I think it's really great. And Rob Corddry, who's the creator and and star of Children's Hospital, is is my one of my big Mac nerd friends. Yeah, and Rob has uh, subsequently he emailed me after you did the the home screen post at Max Sparky and said that he was jealous. Oh, cool! So so (laughs) there soon, and he gave me a really nice endorsement for my book. That was really pretty funny too. So maybe Rob and I'll have to come to MacWorld next year. You guys definitely should. Yeah, I could. I could. You know, and I could see a session based on what we just talked about. I think people would love to hear you kind of show some of the tools you use. And what are we waiting for? Let's do it. All right. (laughs) Hey, we we know a guy you can talk to about that. All right. Um, Well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank thank you, David. David. And. uh, I'm glad you're listening to the show and getting something out of it. And thanks for everything you do. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Excellent. And in the meantime, everybody make sure in October to go see Wanderlust. Exactly. Thank you. Bye-bye. And our final sponsor is the Omni Group. And I looked brilliant recently thanks to the Omni Group. Specifically, OmniGraffle. I had a meeting and we had to put some data up on the board and involved numbers of people. So I wanted a, a pretty graphic uh, to represent people by the thousand. And I went on Graphletopia, which now is built right into OmniGraffle, if you have it. And it's, a, it's kind of a consortium of data for OmniGraffle and, and pre-canned graphics. Great stuff. And I found some really nice-looking stick figures, put them up there, downloaded them in the app, put them into my, um, my diagram, dropped it into a keynote presentation, had it on the board like 15 minutes later, and looked brilliant whole thing just took a few minutes and somebody was asking me once again where do you get your graphics done who's your graphics guy yeah exactly 
Yeah, I also had a similar use with OmniGraph. Well, we were getting ready for a, a big mediation, and I, too, was putting together a, a, a big keynote presentation for the mediation and was trying to figure out how to do some manipulation of some graphics that I wanted to lay out that, you know, keynote just wasn't quite cutting it for me. And, you know, it just dawned on me, hey, I've, I've got OmniGraph installed on my computer. This is this is exactly what I need to show some relationships between family members and uh, distribution of income and things like that. And Boom, it was done, and senior partner was quite impressed. Yeah. So you can get OmniGraffle now in the App Store. The, the standard version is $100. The Pro version is $200. Uh, you know, it's not cheap, but when you compare it to, like, Adobe uh, Suite stuff, which this really is comparable to, it's, it's definitely more economical, and I think it's easier to use. I, I never seem to be able to get over using Illustrator for this stuff because it's, like, way overkill, whereas OmniGraffle makes exactly the graphics I need. Easily exportable, I can remove the backgrounds, do all that stuff, and have it up on the board in no time at all. Yeah. Your, time, your, your time is worth something. You know? It is. They also have an iPad app for forty nine ninety nine, and the Omni Group has a money-back guarantee on all of their applications, whether they're for the Mac or iOS. So, uh, worth checking out. So, thank you to Omni for their support of the Mac Power user. Okay, David. Well, it has been a blast. I am so glad that we were able to get David Wayne in here. I mean, how often is it that you you get, you know, just a, a movie star, a movie guy? Yeah. Well, you often when he's a nerd, a Mac nerd, right? I guess so. I guess so. Very yeah. impressive stuff. The thing about David that kind of blew me away is, I you know, I knew what he had done, and I really knew him from back being on the state, and I knew he was really funny, but he's really kind of innovative with finding ways to not burn up as many trees and find more efficient ways to, to make movies. And that's kind of what we're all about, you know, finding the workflows and making them work. So I, I thought he was a great guest and uh, really pleased that he contacted us. Yeah, I think, I think although a lot of his ideas were very specific to his in, uh, industry, that they can be implemented across the board in a lot of other industries as well. I mean, how many of us don't have, you know, lots of photos or lots of videos or lots of files or things that we have to share across multiple groups of people. And, 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 and our default is just to print them out and, you know, send everybody an envelope with a bunch of stuff in them. And, and, you know, he's absolutely right with some of the workflows that he's implemented. Okay. So, uh, so how do you contact us, Katie? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about with David, as well as all of our other shows over at www.macpowerusers.com. Or you could send an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or you can also leave us a voicemail on our Google Voice hotline. That number is 706-457-6937 or 706-45-POWER. There's a link on our website. Yeah, you can also send a Twitter to at MacPowerUsers for the podcast. Katie's at Katie Floyd and I'm at Max Sparky. And don't forget, we're on Facebook. You know how much you love Facebook. Facebook.com slash MacPowerUsers. Yeah. You know, also, uh, go check out Katie's blog, you know. Yeah. I'm over at katiefloyd.me, and you're over at maxsparky.com. Yeah. So. All right. Well, a big thank you to our sponsors, Smile, 1Password, The Omni Group, and LaunchBar for their kind support of our show. David, what's next? Menu bars. Ooh. We've been talking about this one for a while. We thought we'd go through some of our favorite menu bar apps and how we use them. Maybe yeah. we'll talk a little bit about the doc, too, while we're at it. Yeah, you know, I had to buy a bigger display just so I could accommodate all my menu bars. That's funny, because you, you're like one of those people that's put anything in the dock, right? Nothing. But your menu bar is probably just loaded. Well, not quite loaded, but it's, it's, there's, there's quite a few items up there. We'll talk about it. 
All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. Send in your thoughts. Let us know what your favorite menu bar apps are as well. And uh, in addition to dropping us feedback, make sure to leave comments on the website because that way everybody gets to see it. And that's always good. All right. Until next time.